Oh, my friend, I have said it before, and I meant it, but I couldn't mean it anymore when I say that today's guest on the Isle of Misfits is just going to blow you away with her story. In fact, it is so good, we're going to break it up into two parts. That's right. So today, you get part one, and I know you're going to want to hear the rest. But for now, just keep listening. So, you know, I've got to tell you, in the relatively short time we've been doing these podcasts here on the Isle of Misfits, we have been absolutely blessed with some incredible guests with amazing stories and insights. And today, my friend, is a glaring example of our said state of blessedness. Because I'm just here to tell you, you are going to be blown away by today's guest and her astonishingly true story. Her name is Tani Cullen. And she is a pastor, a people lover, which I guess goes along with being a pastor. She's a blogger, a conference speaker, and author who also happens to be a mom to a remarkable young man who happens to play a significant role in her authoring. And she's here to share some of that story with us today. So, Tani, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining us here on the aisle. I'm so glad to be with other misfits. Well, we are so glad to have you, and I, I mean... I, I think I can speak for everybody. They don't know what they're in for, but they are in for a real treat today because your story is so amazing. Um, I'm not even going to say anything more. I, I want to hear from you. But before we do that, you know, I had I, said in my intro that I first um, heard about you listening to your interview on the Metaxa show, which I'm a huge fan. Um, and it was one of those that I was just sharing all over the place at the time because I'm, it was just so compelling. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to talk with you myself and hopefully expand your story to a few crevices that maybe even Metaxas couldn't reach. Well, I'm always happy to share the story, and honestly, I will do anything to boast in the goodness of the God I serve. So I hope our story brings some hope to people and um, further explains the mystery of God. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And like I, I've said this word probably several times now, it's an amazing story. Um, but before we jump into that, I want to learn a little bit more about you because I saw some, you know, I saw some interesting facts in your bio, and that's great. But beyond that, um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna throw this out at you, and there's no pressure; it's just an invitation. Um, but often on this show, we like to do what I call play a stupid game. So the stupid game I have prepared for you, um, it's actually based on the fact that you live in Minnesota. If if I got that right. Right, yes, Minnesotan? I am. Okay. Nope. Would it be proper to say you're a Minnesotan? Well, yes, not originally, but, you know, I've been here long enough, you could probably say so, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, then Then you, all right, I'm going to throw some names at you. So the, the, the gist of this game is who do you identify with? Because there are a number of famous Minnesotans besides yourself. Oh, boy. Um, oh. So, so, I, so it's not a test. It's really who do you <laughs> identify more with? So I'm just going to throw out a couple of names, give you a choice. No right, no wrong answers. It's all, okay. it's all what Tani believes in her heart. Okay, so which famous Minnesotan do you more identify with? All right, so first one is based on the Mary Tyler Moore show, so I know that they're fictional characters, but we mm -hmm. have to go there. Do you identify more with Mary? Or Rhoda? Mary. Mary. Okay. You want to tell us why? You don't have to. That's just a bonus. Just, just that kind of the glass ceiling, go after it, go get her, just passionate, want to do what is in your heart to do. Good answer. 
Yeah, you know what? And I think we all, I mean, we want to identify with Mary, right? Because she she was all those things, and yet she just had that that lovable girl next door appeal to her. And, I, you know, and Rhoda, I love Rhoda, too. I, I kind of wanted to be like her, but I don't think I had that, you know, that Mary. Yeah, she was good, but I like your answer. Okay, moving on. Prince or Judy Garland? Ooh. Um, Both from Minnesota. Probably Judy Gar- Garland. Okay. Even though I love Prince. Yeah. I probably identify more with Judy Garland. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard choice, man, because, you know, that's the spectrum right there. But both from yeah. Minnesota, though. All yes. right. Okay, our third one. There's no connection between these two whatsoever, so it's kind of random. Garrison Keeler from NPR, Prairie Home Companion fame, or Governor Jesse Ventura. Oh, definitely Garrison Keeler, who I have met in person, by the way. Really? So, um, yes, yes, it was it was a chance meeting, but uh, crossed paths and got a got a selfie. So Garrison Keeler, but like better looking. <laughs> the better looking Garrison Keeler. He, he's 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 not he's not the best looking guy, but very very interesting. <laughs> Good to know if we ever meet him at an airport. So we'll keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, a um, couple more. Bob Dylan or Sinclair Lewis? Ooh, probably Sinclair Lewis. Okay, I have to admit, I, I, I'm familiar with him, but I don't think I've ever really read much Sinclair Lewis. It's just one of those names that you throw uh, out at Cotton Yeah, Party. I mean, Bob Dylan's awesome um, lyricist and stuff, but probably more of the mind of Sinclair Lewis. Okay, all right, good to know. All right, last one. Charles Schultz or F. Scott Fitzgerald? Oh, wow. Okay, probably F. Scott Fitzgerald because I actually did a one-woman show in college about his wife, Zelda Fitzgerald, so I know a lot about their lives. So probably F. Scott Fitzgerald, although honestly, I love Snoopy. I, I, I have the playfulness of probably, you know, the, uh, the Peanuts characters, but I know a lot about the Fitzgeralds. Okay, so I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go fifty-fifty on that one. I think that's acceptable. Okay. It's our game, yeah. right? We can make up the rules as we go. So. That's right. <laughs> well, Tani, thank you for playing. It's it's so good to get a little more insight as to who you really are. Um, and I keep saying uh, on the show that I'm going to be sending people an Isle of Misfits T-shirt um, as soon as that becomes a thing. So when it does, I'll let you know. <laughs> Please do. I would be glad to do that. Okay, so. Um, we're really here. I keep teasing the story. I haven't really told anything about it because it's that good. Um, and here's here's where I want to start it. It might seem like a weird place to start, but I want to start out by sharing a poem that your son wrote. And here's the poem. Poetry is like apples to me, like a panoramic lot of apple trees. Might picturing an apple be looking at a miracle? Apples naturally note life inside of life, inside of life. Now, this is pretty profound, period. Yeah. (laughs) But the fact that your son is, what, 11? He just turned 12, yeah. Just turned 12. Okay, that makes it remarkably so. But wait, there's more. So it's at this point, I would like to back up, and now I'm going to shut up and let you share, if you will, your story. Okay. Well, um, my husband and I have been married for 19 years, and um, we live in the Twin Cities. We moved out here from North Dakota, where we met. Um, we were living history interpreters, working at the Fort Abraham Lincoln State Park. Mm. I was an Army laundress. He was a soldier, and we gave tours as if we were, were in the year 1875. That's awesome. So, I did not know that about met. your story. I might have quizzed and, you in that. 
Uh, and then we ended up, um, we were in college together, and we were in plays together, and uh, then very shortly thereafter, we got married. So you could say that our early days were very dramatic, um, but only of the pretend kind. So um, That's the best kind of drama, the, the pretend cities, kind. I know, I know. It's the kind you want to have, basically. But, uh, you know, happily married, going along for about um, seven, eight years. And, you know, we were like, gosh, life is getting kind of routine, you know, where we got our jobs, we're doing our thing, but I don't know, maybe we should like take a cooking class together or do something different and like, or maybe it's time to start a family, you know? (laughs) So about that time it was like, um, yeah, let's start a family. And so uh, about a year later, our little boy was born. Sometimes I want to go back to young Joe and Tani and be like, take the cooking class, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not really, but uh, Door number our one. little boy was born and we called him Josiah, um, which means fire of the Lord. Oh, and he was perfect and awesome. And so we were a young family, um, just getting everything started off on the right foot and, you know, bought our first single family home, just wanted to make good decisions so that life would go well for us and get our family on its way. And Josiah was awesome, and for the first um, over a year and a half, everything was going great. Um, you know, you had your normal little bumps along the way, but life was normal, and normal was good. Mm. And, um, and then about 22 months old, um, things shifted dramatically out of the blue, seemingly just out of nowhere. Um, Josiah had been meeting all of his medical milestones, and doing well and then about 22 months old it just like over a period of about three weeks he stopped looking at us he stopped responding to his name Um, he started losing play skills and would um, spin the wheels on his truck instead of play with it like typically Um, he was turning light switches on and off on and off and it just seemed like it just seemed like his pilot light went out Um, it was like the words that he had, words like mama and dada and banana, they were, they were leaving him. So he did like we were losing him. So he did have a few words. He was starting to develop some language. He had about 40, 50 words at that point. And, um, and then it, it just started going away and we were terrified. And so, um, we didn't know what was going on. We acted very quickly and long story short, over about a four-month period of time of testing and various things, um, we found ourselves around a boardroom table, and the doctors told us what we already knew by that time, and our heart was the case. And they slid a folder over to us and labeled on top, it said autism spectrum disorder. And I remember sitting there, and I opened up the, the pamphlet, I opened up the, the folder, and I'm looking through the papers, and the the thing that just left off the page was autism spectrum disorder, no known cause, no known cure, lifelong. Mm. Mm. And, um, you know, he's two years old at that point. And in that moment, it was like a gavel just kind of came down on our futures. And it just felt like, okay, like as a mother as a God follower, Mm. um, everything that screamed from inside of me was, where is hope when there is no hope then? I don't even know 
exactly what I'm supposed to do with this. This isn't something you're going to recover from and go, wow, that was, that was tough. Whew, right. Glad that's over. Right. Cause there was no and way. So, yeah. There was no way for you to prepare for this. Like you said, this came out of the blue. Um, and yeah. I remember when I heard your story the first time you talked about this, like, you know, typically we think, all right, there's signs of autism, maybe from the beginning, but you didn't have that. And this, this type of autism is kind of, it's called regressive autism. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind that's actually most prevalent right now. Mm. So there's classic autism, which um, is, there are signs kind of evident from birth. Mm -hmm. And this regressive autism, which happens between like 18 months to about three years old, this is the kind that is really prevalent right now. And in fact, it's, it's affecting one in 50 children today. So uh, it's gone from one in 10,000 children diagnosed with autism, you know, 25 years ago to one in 50 today and, and growing. Wow. That's, that's kind of staggering when you think about those numbers. It is. It really is. Um, So this, this, you know, you have people all over that start out thinking life's going to be one way and then it gets kind of hijacked. So, and so, um, you know, we were faced with like, well, what are we what do we do, you know? And we just mobilized as fast as we could. We got Josiah into the best therapies, you know, 40 hours of behavioral therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy. And we just thought, you know, we got to go after this while he's little for the best possible outcome. And um, we just just went into it with just all guns a-blazing. But then um, as time went along, we get to age five, and no matter all of the special diets and all of the things that we had done, just so much stuff, we get to age five and we get an addendum to the autism spectrum disorder and we get the psychologist gives us the assessment and says he's low functioning, he's nonverbal and severe. And so it was like, really, we had really wanted to go after speech, you know, like, can we get words? And it was at that point that it was like, you know, we were told that Josiah would likely be among the 1 in 40% of um, children with autism who would never speak. Mm, 40%. And so, yeah, so we, we had to live with that weightiness and deal with that again. And during that whole time, it's like, you know, um, those words severe, I always say, you know, carry a loaded screech to it. It's like someone has told you to put the pedal to the metal in your car, mm-hmm. um, but, but then throw on the, on the emergency brake at the same time. It just feels like all of your best resources get eaten up very quickly. And it's like your, you know, what started out as one issue just spills over into your marriage and into your finances, into your work, into your emotional, you know, health, um, until you just feel like, wow, what, like, what do I have left? It's like everything is going to this one thing. Right. And there's no easing your way into it. This is, like you said, it's, it's the screeching halt. It's like, okay, this is, this is a game changer. All of a sudden our paradigm is different. Exactly. So, so that was, you know, so difficult. Um, but everything in me was just like, I got to go towards hope. I got to go toward what is going to be, you know, um, the best for Josiah's future. And I was pulling on God, um, 
I was pressing into God and just like, God, you know, everybody says, like, you have to learn how to cope with this. And, like, you've got to show me what it means to cope. Because Mm -hmm. I remember going to a, I remember going to a, um, kind of conference thing initiation for autism and parents and one of the things they brought up was you know 80 percent of parents who have a child with a chronic illness or disability or disorder a special needs situation the parents themselves experience what's called chronic sorrow chronic sorrow chronic sorrow which just means that like you will always be in some cycle of like get thrown back into like grief over the loss oh okay and and i just thought man like that's not who i am you know do i have to become that and and i'm not i'm absolutely not um, making light of that at all because i think that it's there's truth to that but it was like I had to look at this as a, as a mother, as a Christ follower, as a person herself who, you know, was like, I'm not this way. I, I have to keep pressing toward better, you know. Wow. And I feel like when the heat gets turned up, um, when it comes to your spirituality, um, which we are very much people that, you know, we have a body, um, we have a soul, and we have a spirit, and we're, we're people that are, are all together this way. So when one thing's affected, the other things are affected. Right. And I feel like when, when the heat gets turned up, it's like you're either going to press into God or you're going to walk away. Right, right. Because you're so disappointed and offended. Why do I have to go through this, you know? Yes, I was just having a conversation with with someone that I'm very close to that um, they were joking about The Princess Bride because, you know, it's the most quotable movie of all times. And we were talking uh, on similar themes and and they said to me, you know, that line when I think Inigo Montoya says to uh, the dread pirate Scott or Roberts, I think, who was really Wesley, he, he says, I need to know who you are. And Wesley says to him, get used to disappointment. And and her her reason for saying this is, is just what you're talking about. Like, are we really supposed to just be used to disappointment? Like you said, just, is that how we're supposed to learn to cope? You know, or is there a difference between resignation and prevailing? And that's, oh, that's what I'm so hearing. Good. Yes, exactly. And, and so like, I, I, I said to, you know, the Lord, I'm just like, Hey, um, you got to show me how to cope. Like, what does the Bible say about coping? Cause I want to know how to cope in a godly way. And do you know that as I went through the Bible, I had all these, like, I had 10 very pointed questions for God written in my journal. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd open up God's Word, I would have that, those questions beside it. Like, I, I just want to keep those before me, should I come across anything that's an answer. Do you know that I could not find any language that fit coping at all? Really? Everything that was in the Bible was hope. I love it. Everything Not cope, was but hope. toward yeah. hope. Yes, that's so, great. So I, the, that was the name of my blog was Hoping Not Coping. Love, love, And love it. that really became the, the you know, um, shift in my heart was like, man, um, if I die without having even attained the promises, you know, before my eyes, I will still have been better off in the way that I have oriented my heart and behaved for hoping because it talks about in the Bible about Abraham who like Abraham, you know, old dude, he and his wife haven't had a a kid and he's the father of faith. And it's like against all hope, 
against all odds, he still hoped. He still yes. hoped, and it was credited to him for doing so. And yes. so um, that, that kind of, I guess, set up, even through all the difficulties, there was kind of a breath of help and joy in just changing my perspective. Like, I'm not going to live with chronic sorrow. I'm not going to live with, you know, this is just going to get worse and worse and worse, because how I treat my child is going to be based on what I think. Mm, that's so important. Please think. say that Say that one more time because we need to hear that again. How I treat and behave and speak to my child is going to be based on what I think. Yeah. You oh, know? Yeah. And so um, so fast forward, my my son, you know, is nonverbal, and I'm like, okay, I, I end up watching this documentary that a friend tells me about, and it's called A Mother's Courage. And there's a little boy on there that is presenting with autism much like Josiah and there's a spectrum with autism so kids are very different on the spectrum so Josiah is on the you know quote-unquote low functioning side so people mm-hmm. think like he has the mind of a toddler you know um, isn't very intelligent and anyway mm-hmm. so I'm watching this this movie and um, there's a woman that is teaching kids like my son to learn how to be educated and spell and um, she's using what is called the rapid prompting method. And so I'm like, I got to get this for my son. I go, I find that there's a lady that apprenticed under her in um, Wisconsin. I take my son to learn this method, and I see that he understands, like he is in there. And one of the things that she said to me that totally changed my perspective again was, Assume age level intelligence. Mm, that's that's really important too. So let me and just pause here. Speak to How, him like he's a typical kid that yeah. age. Right. So yeah, treat him as if he was not low functioning. Yeah, I love exactly. this. So so tell how did you know? You said you knew that he was there. That he was. How did you know? Well, was, she was as she as she started um, employing this method where it starts out with like um, it's kind of a teach ask method. So you know, do a lesson. It was like you know, Columbus sailed the ocean in 1492. You know, what did Columbus do? Did he S A I L sail or did he you know P L A Y play you rip the paper in half tap on heel tap on play and then they choose you know what they think is the right answer and then you say okay let's spell that so you're teaching you're you're helping their coordination motor function is very difficult with this type of autism as well so um, motor planning there's a lot of movement disorder uh, sensory disorder so it's like you're you're kind of teaching all of this and approaching all of this in this very particular way and so I was seeing like he's getting these answers right and she'd mix them up and she'd do these different things and and the way that he's choosing you know a pencil choosing on the paper Um, and previously we had started with an iPad because he was so interested in our iPod touches and so we Mm -hmm. were doing like stuff with the iPad and I could see like oh my gosh like this kid he can't put together a puzzle on the table but he went and taught himself how to put a puzzle together on the iPad. That's amazing. So it was like, okay, I'm starting to get these little clues that like he's, it, things are just disconnected, but it's not that he doesn't have the aptitude. Right, right. He just needed the right tool. He needed the right tools in the right way. And um, this was a way that was unlocking him. 
and many others like him. Mm-hmm. And so that just really brought a lot of hope. But of course we get home and, you know, the, these kids, I mean, they treat their parents a lot, a lot different than they do others. And so anyway, I'm like determined I'm going to do this with him. And, and I don't know if you've seen the movie The Miracle Worker um, with Helen Keller. And um, there's this breakfast room scene where it's like she is just throwing a fit because um, uh, Annie Sullivan wants her to, like, sit properly and eat eggs. And she's just all over the place. And it's like the seven-minute, you know, bringing her from under the table and putting her back in the chair. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, my gosh, this is my life right now. Like, I'm trying to do, do this lesson with him. And he's all over the place. I'm trying to keep calm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I just kept, like after it like every single like five times a week as much as I could 25 minutes at a time do these lessons with him so fast forward I'm a year in we had done a refresher course I'd learned some things I wasn't doing correctly and a month after that refresher course I'm working with Josiah and we're sitting at the kitchen table and I uh, decide to read to him from the children's bible and so I read this little lesson that is about when Jesus healed the blind man. So I read about what Jesus does, and then I say, Josiah, Jesus healed the blind man. What did Jesus do? Did he H-E-A-L heal the blind man, or did he P-L-A-Y play with the blind man? And I rip the paper in half, tap on heal, tap on play, and that's like an auditory prompt. Mm -hmm. And so he um, chooses the right one that says heal, and um, this uses stencil boards and, and different Um, what's called letter boards, but I also had his iPad up that had um, the alphabet in alphabetical order in these big buttons. So we were kind of doing both at that point. So I said, okay, let's spell heel. And he takes his little pointer finger and, you know, this is really slow. And he goes and he presses G. And that's where we're going to leave you hanging for now. I know. Very mean of me. But trust me, you need to hear the rest because this is where the story takes a turn for the what? Plus, being Thanksgiving weekend and all, you're going to have some downtime between the turkey and whatever Black Friday fiascos you find yourself in, so consider it my Thanksgiving gift to you. Oh, and speaking of gifts, don't forget to enter the random drawing of random awesomeness by subscribing to isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com. And we'll be announcing the winner on December 1st on the blog. So while you're waiting for part two, you can do that. You can share this podcast. And of course, own your awkward. And thank God for your fellow misfits. Every day, every hour, overwhelm me with your power. Rearrange me here and now.